talking about today, if, you know, for my A types who need a who need a, a heading to put on their wheels. Talking about the greater glory. What the greater glory is, what the greater glory produces. Now, why would I use that term, greater glory? Okay, so Paul in chapter one, he talks about that he put them, the Lord put them in a situation that they were relied upon the God who literally raises the dead. All right, transition to chapter three. He asked them, should, should I give you a letter to commend you? Do I need to encourage you again with the letter? But he says, you are our letter. Right? He says, you are the very letter. The, the fact that you still stand means that you are the letter. Before I transition into uh, verse 10, show of hand, I'm going to reach back on this question. Who has seen the Ten Commandments? There you go. We got a good number. Okay, younger generation. I'm not talking about the Prince of Egypt. I'm talking about <laughs> Charlton Heston, Mad Computer Graphics, Ten Commandments. All right. I remember watching that as a, as a child. I remember thinking, like, man, what a stunt. You know. I, I know Charles didn't, didn't do that in real life, but just think about it. You're seeing on screen, you heard about the Exodus, you, you see uh, Heston playing his character of Moses, you know, he's turning the water into blood, and, you know, his, his, his staff turns into a snake, and you're like, oh, fool, and, you know, then he parts the Red Sea, and you're like, man, how crazy is that? I remember reading those stories and thinking, man, it would be cool if the Lord just used me one day to be like a Moses. All right, if I was in some back place in a third world country and we needed maybe some water, some food, and, you know, I just prayed that he just rained down water, manna from the heavens. Right? And if you look at that story, sometimes we, we see that story and its greatness as this distant thing that doesn't apply to us. Remember that heading that I just gave you, I'll talk about a greater glory. And what Paul is going to do, he's going to use that as a way to encourage the Corinth church that some are going through afflictions to say like, hey, Moses is great, but look at what we have. Verse 10 in chapter 3, he says this, for thee, and I'm reading from the NASB, for thee, what had glory in this case has no glory because the glory of that surpasses it. Verse 11, for if that which fades away was with glory, talking about Moses, talking about the Ten Commandments, now think about it, remember Moses, he did a lot of great things, right? If you, if you remember the Ten Commandments, if you remember, by show of hands, who, who has brought water from a rock here lately? Anybody? Okay, that, that's pretty glorious, right? Who, who has allowed, who has caused quail from, to call, come from heaven? Anybody? All right, so we, so we need to emotionally, in our hearts, to see like, man, this, this was some supernatural happenings in the, in, in the Old Testament. All right? It says, for if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. And he says, because of that, if we get this reality... Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech. So he's making a contrast between the glory of Moses, the Ten Commandments, 
when he came down the mountain, he had to wear a veil upon his face because he was shining. It says, even the greatness of Moses was fading. Now, I want you to think about that because if you're really getting this, if you read in Exodus, there's no way you come away from Exodus and you don't marvel at what the Lord was doing for Moses. There's no way. Not, not if you're a Christian, not if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's no way you read that and you don't come, you don't come away marveling at that to say, like, man, I wish I could do that. Stay with me. It says, verse 13, and are not like Moses. He says, we use great boasts in our speech and are not like Moses. I always know we're not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading. The greater glory of verses 10 through 13 is very crucial. Paul tells Corinth church, see Moses in his greatness. Recount all the miracles that he did with the plague. Recount all the things that he did post the parting of the Red Sea. Recount all those things that he says, it was the glory that was fading. What if I said to you, you have a greater glory, a greater supernatural ability than Moses, and it's called the gospel. That's what, that's what Paul is trying to tell the Corinth church. I'll be honest with you. It is a matter of belief. I hear people all the time say, ah, you know, I don't know what my spiritual gifting is. I don't know what the Lord has called me to. And I always start basic. The foundation of the Christian life is to make disciples of all nations. So if you're struggling with your call, I would say to you, your call is to make disciples of all nations. And how you do that, what vocation, we are free to choose. So the question I would ask you is, where are you with disciples of all nations? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Disciples of all nations. Gainah. Chosen stock, no race, no color, no creed, a, 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 a higher ethnicity. <laughs> Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. All looking at Jesus' sight. Are you even saturating yourself at least in the gospel? The greater glory. What is that? greater glory. First Peter chapter 2, 9 and 10 would say, say this, is that uh, we being the chosen race, the people of God's possession, he says, he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light to what? Proclaim his excellencies. There is the caveat right there. To proclaim his excellencies. So, the foundation, making disciples of all nations. The, the, the identity Christ said, I've saved you to proclaim the excellencies. He called Moses to lead the people. He says, we have a greater glory than that. It's the proclamation of the gospel. And what has happened in America is that uh, the gospel, the John 3.16, has become such an old hat. It's become so old to us that when someone talks about the gospel, it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I get that. But do you get it? Right? Do you get it? I mean, songs like In Christ Alone, that, that should never get old. At, at all. I, I really believe some of us 
a struggle in heaven. Right? I had a friend uh, recently, he made a funny statement. Because we both listen to loud music. I feel the stereotype on that. You know, having <laughs> fun. And I, I like it loud. <laughs> and he made a funny statement. He says, you know what? Some people are not going to enjoy heaven because they think heaven's going to be silent. Right? He says, music is meant to be played loud. He says, I think worship will be loud in heaven. Right? Some of y'all look, uh, look around, and I'm not judging on your hearts towards the Lord. I'm like, man, y'all are struggling. Christ comes in. You're going to struggle. When, the, when it says the angels sing holy, 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 and there's a nation for every tongue and people group, and when you see this new type of light that you've never seen before, you're going to struggle. Right? And it's in that reality that Christ says, go proclaim. Go proclaim. Go proclaim that you have been freed from uh, the, the, uh, the trappings of this world. You're free to worship. Now, that's one of his main things that he was trying to say to the people who had the yoke of the Pharisees upon them. Because if you know anything about the Pharisees, uh, in their heart, I would say in the beginning, when you look at the Levitical law, they didn't have a Holy Spirit. So in fairness to the Pharisees, guys like Nicodemus, they created all this law, all these laws, because when you don't have a Holy Spirit, you don't know, you're not convicted. All you have is a sheet of paper to tell you, hey, this is what it means to sin, so therefore I need to sacrifice. Could you imagine a world without a Holy Spirit? It's bad now. Right? And so, they created all these laws, and then they created extra laws. The Mishnah and the Gabor. To say, okay, this is what the Lord says, but let us help the Lord out. <laughs> right? The Lord needs help. Let us help the Lord out and put some more on there to help people know when they're sending extra. And what happened is, is they said, not that this is a conviction for us. They made their personal conviction a mandatory conviction, and that's where Christ said, my yoke is easy and my burden is and there's a lot of people coming from a lot of different backgrounds that need to hear the Lord's yoke is easy and his burden is light. That Jesus Christ has carried that cross. He mounted, he was mounted upon that cross. He died and then he rose from the grave. And when he says all authority in heaven has been given unto me, that means authority over your, your conscience, authority over your past, authority over your sexual promiscuity, authority over your eating disorder, authority over your, your parents who may look down upon you. He has authority. And so nothing, if you're in Christ, defines you. Now, now I'm going to say outside of Christ, the enemy will beat you down all day long and you don't stand, you don't have a fighting chance. But in Christ, it does not define you. The condemnation is gone. One of the most important verses that I've said all the time, but I think it's overlooked, is that in Hebrews 10 it says he's cleansed, our, he, he's cleansed with his blood our, our souls, he's cleansed our body, and he's cleansed our conscience. That's glorious. Because I don't, I don't know about you, but there are days where I look back upon my past and maybe I remind myself, maybe it's the enemy, maybe it's something that I've seen. It reminds me of my past, and it starts to say, you know what, you're, you're not as glorious as the Bible says you are. You can't walk in that power. 
say before stop to proclaim his excellency. What is that greater glory? It, it is confidence in the Lord. Humility is not saying how bad you are and that you're the scum of the earth and you know without Jesus, so we walk around like this and you know we can't lift our hands and that's not humility. Humility is as Paul would say. Follow me as I follow Christ. Humility would say, I stand in Jesus Christ and I am royalty. Romans 8, 17. That I am a co-heir with Christ. Now it says, provided that we suffer with him, but I am a co-heir of Christ. We are of royalty. Right? And the person that truly understands his sin, truly understands the glory of what those verses mean. So what the greater glory is, is that you can go anywhere. You can get disciples out of any culture. Because the Holy Spirit, as Paul would say, you become all things to all people that for what? That you might win some for the gospel. So you're not limited by your appearance. You're not limited by your story. You're not limited by your vocation. You're not limited by your skin color. You're not limited by your culture. You're not limited by your age. The greater glory says you supersede whatever man says. And I'm talking about even within the subculture of Christianity. Right? Remember the story of David? Goliath challenges the Philistines for 40 days. What a scene. There is a, a movie that I, want to see. I want to see somebody play out this 40-day challenge. You got this, the millions of people, the nation of Israel, right, who they know battle. You know, you got the Benjamites, right, you got the tribe of Judah. So they know battle, but for some reason, this one Philistine, no one wanted to challenge him for 40 days. <coughs> David. The shepherd says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that challenges the people of God? Right? And his head he goes, I'm of the Lord. I, I don't know why anyone's not saying anything to this guy. This, you know, in my language, this big seven foot old. And he says, hey, the Lord protected me when I was a shepherd. He protected me. Killing Goliath. Let's go. Let's do this. And what did his quote unquote Christian brother say to him? You can't do that. Or if you do that, you need to put on this helmet, you need to put on this breastplate, you need to carry this shield, you need to have this sword. And David said to them, as, you know, as we say in the urban setting, you're doing too much. It doesn't take all that. Right? And that's what a lot of people will say when it comes to. You trying to flesh out this greater glory, this glory that Hebrews that of Moses, because this glory is not fading away. Hebrews would say of Christ that He appeared before the Lord as the High Priest at the final sacrifice once and for all. That's the eternal understanding that once He died, it was finished. That's the greater glory that's infused literally into our supernatural DNA to. Bring about the disciples of Christ. That greater glory. A lot of people say, hey, you can't go there. 
Now why not? Because it's not set. God has appointed times as man, Acts 17. So if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. And, I, and, and I'm saying that in Flint, Michigan. Let me, let me put a little perspective on this, right? Because my, my wife hates when, when I talk like this. But it really, I mean, really it's true. So we bought a house in what they would say the north side. Now, a lot of, I would say a lot, a good number of the people in our congregation are fearful of the north side because the north side is more African American and it's where the majority of the crime that you read about in the news, it happens. So I grew up in a place kind of like the north side, so the north side doesn't scare me. So we bought a house there, a ministry house, and we don't have a lot of money. This is this house, just to give you an idea, it cost us $2,500 in cash. And the guy who sold it to us put $40,000 into the house, and he needed to sell the house. Needless to say, he's selling for $4,500, right? So the Lord gives us this ministry house, right? And it was just amazing to see how in that neighborhood, the, the hearts of people just change as they get to the neighborhood. I'm going to be honest with you, it's, it's not a good neighborhood. And I say this to my wife all the time. Because I'm just this type of person. I say, hey, every time I go into that neighborhood, you need to be prepared for your husband to go to heaven. And I'm not saying that lightly. But it is my belief that fear can put you in a position to do unnatural things that have no bearing upon the kingdom. I want you to think about that. So say, for instance, the guy comes up to me, he tries to, you know, he tries to rob me. There are two types of people. The person is just like, hey, I can care less about this. Take whatever you want. And there's Adam who says, I'm not giving it to you. You want to shoot me, shoot me. I'll be, I'll be in heaven. If this means that much to you and you don't value my life, I'll be in heaven. And when my time is up, if the Lord says, hey, Adam will die by the gun, me hiding in my home is not going to prevent that. Right? And so during this time, the Lord, he has protected us. And I know that's maybe kind of radical for some, but I honestly believe that. I believe in my heart. When the Bible says the Lord has not given us the spirit of fear, it's not fearing where he would call us. It's not, you know, fearing his commandments. It's not that. It, it, it literally means he has freed us to make any decision to go anywhere, and therefore we just trust him. All right? Uh, there is a, a movie uh, that, I, that I think makes a, a point of this real good. It's called The Green Lantern. Right? I'm not recommending seeing the movie, but this point was worth it. Anyway. So you have these Green Lanterns, and their, their thing is, like, we, we're not afraid of anything, right? But it wasn't until the main character admitted his fear that he actually became the strongest Green Lantern. And I feel like a lot of us in our soul, there's something that we have in us that, that, we, that causes the fear and, and it paralyzes us when it, calls, when it comes to living out this greater glory. And I admit to you, my greatest fear was, hey, Lord, you protected me growing up in Detroit, but can you really protect my children? 
can you really protect my wife? I had to admit that. And I felt like when I admitted that and gave that up to the Lord, he freed me of that. And that was one of the biggest reasons why I was able to go to Flint. I believe that's one of the, the biggest reasons why I can stand in the freedom as I walk out of the door, as we leave, just knowing, hey, Lord, you control it. The neighborhood doesn't control it. That latch on the door does not control it. The, 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 the systems that we put up does not control it. You control it. And so if, if something happens, it is because of you. My, my, my beef, so to speak, in the urban terms, my argument is not with men. It'll be with you if I believe you're truly sovereign. The Lord had to bring me there. So every day I have to ask myself that question. When I get in my car, when I drive down that street and I make a right on Walcott, I ask myself the question, am I free for today to be the day? Or because of fear, because I value my physical life so much, like, hey, here, just take it. Because it could be, well, who's going to take care of my kids? I'm not going to take care of my kids. You take care of my wife. Adam's not here. Who's going to take care of the church? King has been going for longer than Adam's been alive. He'll take care of his church. Right? And all, and all the reasons we can justify why we make these fearful decisions. But the greater glory says, you make the decision and you trust the Lord to provide for you. Right? Second thing, what does the greater glory produce? Alright? In verse 11, look back with me. Says this, for that which fades away was with glory, right? Much more that which remains is in glory, all right? And that's a continual, uh, you know, we would say errors, tense in, in theology, which basically means now and continuing to be. It, it never loses its state, all right? So it would say, much more that which remains is in glory. So now will be and will continuously be in glory in 12. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech. What does it produce? It produces boldness. I don't know about you, if, if you've ever seen, I don't, I don't know, you know where we are in our stories and things like this, but I, you know, I grew up in Detroit, I grew up fighting. You know, I'm not proud of that. I just grew up like that. You have to protect yourself. And there were comical fights sometimes. Right? You had a guy that's probably, you know, 4'11", a buck 20, wet. Right? And he's just a fireball, just yelling, cursing, going crazy. And we're thinking, how can he act like that? And you look, and you're like, oh, because he has this guy that's
buy that story because this is where I make my transition. So the house that we bought in Flint was a house of a drug dealer, a big time drug dealer. So that 40000 that was put into the house, that was some drug money. We bought that house to redeem. But guess what? Myself and Ethan, great boldness in our speech, we were like, hey, it's game time. All right, so we walked up in there, we talked to the, to the guy, drug dealer, and he, you know, he has some prominence in the city of Flint. He says he stopped it, but I can tell he hasn't, just because of the way the house is set up, kind of language that he used. He just got a, a job, and most of the time, big time drug dealers, they can't last in a nine to five, because they're used to doing their thing. So we're talking to him, and his name is JP. And so I said, JP, I'll be honest with you. I don't know you. You seem like you probably got a lot of power in the streets. Probably could do something to us right now. I really don't care. What I care about right now is that you need to get saved. Look him in his face. You know, sometimes I point and then I got to be my own thing.
passage, 2 Corinthians 3, 17, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. From one degree of, degree of glory to the next. At least ask the question, is it right now? Is, is it my waiter? Is, is it the person that's told me? To? See, we see inconveniences as just that. Instead of maybe the, the God who created the world knows what he's doing, and maybe he wanted your car to break down too. Have a, a tow man pick you up so you can share the gospel. I remember a, a time where I was catching a flight from Texas to Little Rock, Arkansas, and then renting a car to go to Memphis, Tennessee to interview right, for a job. And I'll be honest with you, I did not have any time. Like, I needed to you know, run once I landed, get to the rental. Get to Memphis. All right? But there are times where you really feel like the Lord is pressing upon your heart to do something, and you're trying to ignore it, you're trying to move past the situation before that before it really convicts you. Alright? And so I'm driving, and most of the times driving, I think, can really test how much you, you trust the Lord because you see a lot of people broken down.
before, it produces a boldness to say, you know what, Lord? If he is that person that has something and, 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 and going to get over on me, then that's on you, and I still trust you. The greater glory produces that boldness. Boldness in our speech. Boldness to move. Boldness to stand. Boldness to proclaim. Question I ask you before I leave, where are you with that greater glory? Do you believe that you have that greater glory? First talking to the person. Talk to the person that may be wrestling with his faith here today. That you may think like, hey, this this, this Christianity is just jargon, it's something that people do know what's not. I will challenge any non-believer. To point to me any quote-unquote savior in any religion that loves people unconditionally. You will not, you cannot show it to me. Not Muhammad, not Joseph Smith, not Allah, not in Hinduism, not Buddha, not Gandhi. No savior loves their creation unconditionally. No savior humbles himself from the glory of what they quote unquote have takes upon the form to identify with man and their creation, to speak that language, to die a death that they didn't deserve, silent, not justifying themselves, and loving conditionally the actual creation that spit in his face. You, you cannot point to me. It doesn't exist. Even when I witness the Muslims, I always say, you cannot point to me in your book, in your religion. You cannot show me in unconditional love because when it's all said and done, you don't know if you're going to get in. You don't. And then I always say, always ask me, so you're telling me if I can offer you an unconditional love, you don't want to receive that. I said, I would want to receive that, but they, they always say, I don't believe it exists. Why? Because I've never seen it. What can I show it? A greater glory that gives us an identity bigger than that which the world can ever offer us. Bigger than that which our wives can ever offer us. Our husbands can ever offer us. Our children can ever offer us. A degree, a job, a place in life. That greater glory gives us an identity that supersedes all of that. And then it should produce uh, this, this boldness in us. This, as it says of, of David's mighty man, that they had faces of lions. I remember when I went on the safari, I, I've never seen a shy lion, right? I've never seen a, a lion that was uncertain of itself. Like, I don't know if I can feel that. I don't know. <laughs> you know. I've never seen, I've never seen, like, like, I don't know if these paws are bigger than you know, I, don't, I don't know. No, a, a, a lion knows, like, hey, innately, I'm the king. I'm hungry right now, you're dinner. <laughs> right? And that's why they use that comparison to the Christian, faces of lions. My Savior says he has all authority in heaven and on earth. I'm a reflection of that glory, so therefore, through him, I 
authority is what? Now that, that's major league ball right there. I'm just going to be honest. Right? That's not, that's not single A. The ultimate thing about that's major league. That's major league. Believe that. And guess what the enemy wants to listen to? Your idea. He wants you to live as if you're in single A. When the majors have said, We've already signed the contract. Come on up. All right? And so we have some of us walking around like we're in, we're in single A, and I don't know if I can do this, and I don't know if I can say it, I don't know if I can pray it, I don't know if I can be it, I don't know if I can see it, or believe it. He says, this is who you are. Stay. Produces that boldness in our speech, our actions, how we proclaim, where we go, how we love, how we sacrifice, how we serve. You know, countries that we go to produces that 